Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Min, Sex Caliber Bones a lot. Madeline, Edward, Sunzi, Alyssa, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Boise, Jeremy, Allie, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby. Oh, I wonder if it's that Libby. Wes, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Matthew, Jonathan, Isaac, and Karun. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Facebook group where we spelunk daily. The dick scent. <laughs> That's what it's like when your whole life goes to hell because your husband cheated on you with your best friend. Ugh. The dick scent. You guys get it? Mikey, yeah. No. Explain it further. <laughs> the real cannibalistic rats were the men we knew along the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dumb guy. Is this a metaphor for women's periods? Yes or no? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think about that until right this second. And you asked me while I was eating a Peachio for my mental health. Uh-huh. And, I mean, there is a, a whole pool of blood. And once she is bathed in it, she emerges a new creature. So, like, maybe? <laughs> well, we should just start the episode so we can get into it, right? Like, what are we even doing here? I'm going to go get my good Thank and plenty. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. What? I'm going to go get my good and plenties. Leave your disgusting candy out of this. Go get your good and plenties, and then we'll kick it off when you get back. Go get your disgusting licorice candy. They're covered. What's up? There's still licorice in the center. If I was like, hey, these milk duds are actually shit in the middle, would that make a difference to you? Probably. You wouldn't be like, well, there's chocolate on the outside. No, it's still shit in the middle. You know that he left, right? <laughs> yeah, so I won that argument, technically. What's up? I got wild energy today. I'm drinking green tea, which I think, if it doesn't come in this turquoise can, is probably good for you. Uh, I learned from my aunt in Arizona that nothing turquoise can hurt you. What? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin on Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin Todd, which means I don't like revisiting movies, but you guys make me revisit them. And this week we revisited The, the Descent. Descent because it was the listener request winner. We should say that. And man, did it win. It had like 48% of the vote when I checked in with it last. And I was like, oh, there's no way any of the other three are coming back from that. So here we are. Jake was like, can I pop in if if it's Tremors? I was like, Tremors ain't going to win, dude. <laughs> like, Descent is going to win with a fucking landslide. But like fully, yes, anytime Jake wants to pop in <laughs> is welcome. Okay, so the last time we did this episode, you two weren't on it because it was like, I don't know, episode. I think I was on it. Were you? I'm looking it up right now because I honestly do not remember. What number was it? It was episode 28, so Mikey, you were on it. I don't know. No, I don't think I was on it. <laughs> Grave Encounters was my first one. So you two weren't on the last episode because it was episode 28, and friend of the pod Chris was on that episode. That was that like dark period post-Clint 
before Mikey, where it was just like a murderer's row of a who's who of guests. And Chris is one of those. Which Chris? Christopher Nolan? Chris Ludacris Bridges? So it was uh, Chris who was the other half of Majestic Swayze. He was also the lead singer in Blackwater James, the band that I was in in college and a little bit after college. Christopher Walken? (laughs) No. Mikey and I's mutual friend, Chris, who I love very much, was a guest on that episode. So since this is your first time on the episodes, Paige and Mikey, how'd you feel about The Descent? This was my first time ever seeing it all the way through. Was it the first time you ever saw it? Are you serious? Yeah, and I'd seen portions of it. There's very famous scenes from this film, so I was aware of the film, uh, but I had never just sat down and watched it. Now, here's the other weird thing. So the choices for listener requests were this, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, Tremors, and Leslie Vernon. And Tremors was the only one I had seen of those four. Really? So there was a 75% chance that I was coming into this blind no matter what. Uh, This was the first time I saw The Descent. I, I have only one critique of this film that's actually surprisingly low for you like normally Very i mean low. you're the one that went to film school so you like see more you know what i'm saying uh yeah only one critique because it's it's written well it's paced well uh it has very scary imagery it's a it's a scary yeah. plot you get right into it it gets into a lot of fears a lot of the jump scares are earned and earned well and done well my only complaint is that there's too many characters and too many of them look alike with names that sound alike. That's my one complaint. Are you telling me that you didn't like Janelle, Jessica, uh, Jimmy? None of those are their names. It's Beth and Becca, Sam and Sarah, Juno and Holly. So, And I had to like look it up a bunch. You should try dating more than one of them at a time. Why, Why would, I- would you do that? But also... Three of them are of similar hair color and skin color and roughly the same build as the blondes. Yeah. To the point where when they're covered in blood, you really can't tell them apart easily, uh, except for the one that's on The Witcher. And I was like, go to say a go. And then she died and it was really sad. But, you know, <laughs> but overall, I thought this was really great. It didn't scare me too much. I thought it was going to scare me way worse. But I think in a theater this would have been fucking terrifying. I think because I'm in my living room, it lessened it a little bit. But in a dark movie theater, fucking terrifying. Terrifying, I'm sure. I do think this movie is one of the scariest mo- modern movies that you could probably watch. I think, and, and original, too. Yeah. Uh, and we've never done the sequels for this podcast, which is good. We haven't done the sequels, no. I think, I think there's only one sequel, though, right? There's one. And we'll also talk about the alternate ending on this one, too, which I don't know if you guys did on the original one, but I have info to talk about it today. Well, I, that's what I was going to talk about. When I originally saw it, so it wasn't just an alternate ending page. Like, some of the releases had the ending. Yes. I saw it with the other ending and the other ending the first time i saw it is with that other ending and it, i prefer the other ending personally i got pissed off at the other ending what is the other ending let's let's close the loop on that so we can talk about it the other ending is she gets in the car the thing pops up she is actually back in the cave and never escaped the whole time yeah okay i don't love that ending because here's the thing i don't love nihilistic endings you know this about me However, it's not that just that she ends up in the cave. It's that she's there with her daughter sharing a cake. So it's it's like a delusion. She is going to die there. Yeah. But at least she is reunited with her daughter, okay. which I feel like thematically works for me better than just the stinger ending. But I have info about why there's two and why different releases have two. Okay. Well, let's save that for fun facts. Let's tease it up front. Oh, for put sure. Put it in the back. You know what I'm saying? Well, 
this the ending where she escapes is how they have a sequel where like they go back to find the other people or whatever. It kicks off two days later. I I like looked at the description. I haven't seen that one obviously, but I I read that one um, right before we re- were recording this because I literally just watched this for the second time in my life. The last time was when we recorded for that episode uh, again, which was episode twenty six, like back in two thousand eighteen or something. I think my I think my critique also. I hate the other ending just because I don't like nihilistic ends, and that is a personal choice for mine. You know that I respect people who would like the other ending, uh, but I also think that they do look too much alike when it gets dark. Yeah, which sucks because they weave this intricate, subtle story of who is who and who yes. and their relationships with each other. Yeah, and I feel like diversifying them a little bit more would help you track that a little bit better. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't even, I still don't remember the main character's name, but like her and Juno's thing is just crazily good in the background. Yes. And brutal. Like once you find out kind of like, cause they, they very subtly drop it in through the movie. Yeah. And like, so this is the same guy who did dog soldiers. This fixes almost all the problems dog soldiers has. Agreed. I don't have any of the pacing issues that we have with dog soldiers, any of that stuff. Yeah. I have no pacing issues i have no in dog soldiers they kind of did the same thing in the same roundabout over and over again that's gone yeah but the good parts of dog soldiers the interpersonal relationships between them yeah. that's here and that's great yeah which is something horror movies do really poorly i think most of the time but i think a more diverse identifiable cast but man i don't know though the movie kind of drops that juno sucks pretty quick when she you know that she's tricking them into a, another cave oh Fuck. yeah okay yeah i mean juno is like a hardcore villain <laughs> In this movie, which... Villain with a capital fucking V villain. Yeah, like, to, I think, a sociopathic level. Well, but yes, but they also humanize her. She killed her husband and daughter. Well, no, she didn't. Was she driving the other car, Mikey? Is that what you think? I'm thinking that he would have been so distracted driving if he wasn't having sex with the Juno. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I do think she does bring up that he was being distant, and I think that Uh Mikey uh might have a leg to stand on here. But there's no way that she could know that. Juno is just a stone-cold villain. Like, she only cares about herself, I guess, because she lies to all of her friends to get them here. Like, it's not like she becomes a bad person under insane circumstances. No. She's terrible from Jump Street. But I feel like a lot of the things we see in this movie that typify her as the villain are very human reactions, where anyone placed in that situation would go one way or the other way, and you almost can't fault them sometimes. And she just chooses. Are you talking about when she kills her friend? Yes. Yes, Paige. I know. Like, okay. That's the least villainistic thing I think she does. I agree. No, it, but it's 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 her leaving her. Yes, that is brutal. Yeah. Well, if I accidentally killed one of y'all and there's creatures and stuff coming, I'd be like, I'm. Run away. So sorry. I think what she should have done, and this is also a super dark take, so sorry. But. She should have done what Sarah does. Yeah. When she, like, oh my God, I didn't mean to. Like you snuck up on me and it was, it's so fucking dark in here and I just swung around and I'm so sorry. And like, that is what you should be saying. And then, you know, I do think that one of the three blondes, that's not Sarah. Bet. Uh, when she is like, 
saying to Sarah, kill me, I think she would have said that to Juno in, under those circumstances, right? Well, and I don't want to relitigate the scene early, but I will say that I blame the girl for sneaking up on her and not saying anything while she just fought a bunch of creatures with an axe. She doesn't know that. I mean, like, I truly think it's nobody's fault. It's an accident. It's nobody's fault. Exactly. Accident, Paige. Accident. You get it? <laughs> um, it was a pick accident. Yeah, yeah it's a pick act. Yeah, <laughs> there see? You go. There you go. <laughs> but I hated this movie. Spoiler alert. I mean, no one, no one's going to be surprised by that. I was super scared of it when we watched it in 2018 for the show. And uh, I never wanted to watch it again. And then two hosts quit. And we were like, fuck it. Let's revisit movies with the new people. So here <laughs> we are. And listen... I get why people think this is an amazing movie because it is an amazing horror movie. I agree. Like the problems we have with dog soldiers are completely gone. And I think that this is a movie that would be prone to those issues because they're literally just in a cave. Everything looks almost the same all of the time, but it doesn't feel like they're running around the same place. They're not. Like it did in dog soldiers, right? I have some fun facts as to how they did this. And they're not in the same place the whole time. I remember some of the fun facts from the last episode. So I'll sit on that. But yeah, I mean, I think that they made very wise choices with that. So it didn't look and feel like it was the same, like a cave that they found that like was big enough for right. the cameras and they had to use a, you know, 200 yard segment of it or whatever. So yeah, I think, I think they did a really good job with that, but it was so hard to watch so many jump scares. I also was super scared, like super scared by the only jump scare I really remembered. And that was the one on the camera where you first see the creature pretty much fully revealed. That's the best fucking one. I remembered it. I, I remembered the, how the creatures looked because of this shot. And man, it still scared the shit out of me. I like, I was watching it in bed and my dogs were around me and I was like, oh, and like both my dogs were like, what the fuck? Because I was so scared by it. I had never seen this movie, but I saw, I had seen that scene because it's so famous it is. to the yeah. point where she picks up the camera and she's like infrared. I was like, oh, we're going to, and it, I still wasn't ready. It still got me. And I like in the moment was like, oh, fuck. Damn. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it gets you. And yeah. then like, there's a, there's a bunch of other ones that get you. And I was blown away. Cause in my mind, I'm like, Oh, it's a bunch of ladies. They go spelunking and then they get attacked by cave people. Okay, cool. That's what I remember as the movie. We don't see a cave person. Well, we do technically, but they don't see a cave person until a little over an hour into this hour and 39 minute movie, which is like crazy because 60 minutes in, I'm like, oh my God, this is so tense. And it literally is just them being stuck in a cave that like had collapsed a little bit. Well, the claustrophobia stuff Fuck. is scarier to me than the creature stuff. Like I will not do that. Mikey, same. I would never, ever do this. As a fat getting stuck in small spaces. It's a, it's a constant fear. <laughs> it just it just seems like an insane thing to me. Although, like, I realize that it is a thing that people do. But you also have to, like, I guess just be okay with, like, hey, a lot of people die doing this. But I'm going to do it anyway. Like, yeah. that's fine. Have fun with that. I, it's not for me. That's why I don't skydive. I can't. Yes, I did love this. It, those scares did get me, yeah, especially. Man. But also the tenseness and the claustrophobia of being lost. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. It could have been a whole movie about just being stuck in small spaces. Yeah. And I would have still been terrified. But then there's the added layer of now some of the graphics don't fully hold up, but a lot of the practical parts 
really do. Yeah, man. And so you give it a pass. I would say overall, this looks pretty damn good for as old as it is. There's only two scenes really where it doesn't hold up. That's yeah. the bats and the very end. Yeah. Yeah, it's the bats and the very end where she kind of leaves Juno and we see a lot of them. And I think it's just because to have a lot of them, that's where the lighting and stuff gets tricky. Well, because that's actually just like two dudes total in a suit and they just like had them come in from different sections and then literally pieced that footage together. You could sort of see where it's like cut out to accommodate that in that shot. It's that. And then there's one of the pieces they lit differently. Yeah. And that's the one that sticks out. It's always the lighting that gives it away. But that's the only one. That and the bats. Other than that, I would say it holds up. It does. It really does. I think how I want to die. What? This subject we were talking about, Paige. We, you know, you know how we want to die. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. No, you guys are talking about graphics. I was thinking about something else. <laughs> we know. I was thinking that if I want to die, I want to do like a last stand against a, a group of creatures like this. I think it's you know my dying wish or whatever. So just Mikey, twenty twenty five in Australia against a pack of roos. I mean, that's next year, which is not how I want to go out. <laughs> but like, you know. I mean, that's just like pessimistic thinking. That's not good enough. I want like cave people, zombies, <laughs> vampires, something, you know? Uh, which one could you pick? Like if you were picking between vampires or zombies. Probably zombies. Are they slow zombies or fast zombies? I think it doesn't matter because you're still getting bit to death. Where at least the vampires is going to drain you, I feel. And you get glamoured in the process, which is kind of sexy. And there's a chance you don't die and you're like immortal. Yeah, potentially. There's more of an upside with vampire than zombie. Not me, man. I'm blowing myself up in this in this battle. But also, what if it's like Alexander Skarsgård turning you? Then like maybe it's a real good time. Paige, I'm not 100% sure that Alexander Skarsgård couldn't turn me. So... <laughs> I think he could. I think he could turn most men. I mean, yeah. He's a handsome man. Only Paige could sexualize my death wish. Well, you know what? You brought up vampires. This is on you. I don't think I did. You did. You, you said vampires are zombies. <laughs> Let's check the tape. <laughs> cave people. It would be these cave people. Honestly, okay. These cave people are sort of zombie-ish, right? Because they eat flesh. They like. I think they just eat meat. I think they're just carnivores and we're an animal to them. Oh, no. I mean, absolutely that's what they are. But because of that, they operate like zombies was my point. Mikey, are we going to talk about how you think that Jacob Elordi from Saltburn looks like both the Green Goblin and these cave people discuss? Okay. I think it's more like Green Goblin. Okay. So Green Goblin from the first Spider-Man, you know. What's his face? What is happening? Why are we talking? He is not in this movie, nor is this the Saltburn episode. He looks <laughs> he looks like the cave people. Because I don't have an outlet for this. And I also don't have an outlet for this. We're going to have to have some Saltburn talk for just a bit. Jacob Elordi looks like the Green Goblin costume. Not William Defoe. I don't even know who you guys are talking about. You guys were talking about this last night in our texts. And I was like, who the fuck is this? I'm just trying to finish up my work day. And go to bed. Okay, hold on, hold on. I'm going to copy an image. Okay. I'm going to put it in the chat. Mikey made a side-by-side -side for me last night. <laughs> Share it on your screen so I can see it that way. Okay, hold on. Then then I've got to do I got to do a little bit of work for a second. Oh, my God, Mikey. Imagine. A little bit of work. <laughs> While you're looking that up, whose bathwater would you rather drink? The Green Goblins or Doc Ock? Doc Ock, obviously. <laughs> He's, he's a normal adult, except for those four things that control his mind. I'm sorry. Your immediate justification of it was so bonkers. There's nothing bonkers about it, Paige. It's just, <laughs> it's just science. It's science. There's nothing bonkers about it, Paige. <laughs>
okay, a Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, or Tom Holland, whose bathwater do you drink? That's a harder one, I think. <laughs> that's a hard. That's a harder one. I feel like it comes down to which spider you respect the most. Okay, Todd, are you almost ready for this? I am not the one who we're waiting on right now. That's why he's asking you. He's like, are you ready? Because the waiting time is done. I'm absolutely ready. Yes, let's go. <laughs> God damn it. They do... <laughs> He does look like the Green Goblin. Okay. I mean, like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. I still don't understand why we're talking about him on this episode, but he does look like the Green Wait, Goblin. Wait, he's smiling? Look at that. Oh, yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. Right? You can't unsee it. It's because the cave people have s sort of the same face shape <laughs> as the Green Goblin. Therefore, he kind of looks like the cave people, but he'd be way too big for such a small cave. When he's got that this rounded hair, it's even more so. <laughs> rounded <laughs> hair. Now I know why your hair looks like that. You walk into Supercuts and be like, hey, can you round my hair? Round this <laughs> hair round, out. Round, round, this round this hair out for me? Oh, shit. He's hosting SNL this year? I mean, you you see the resemblance, right? You can't escape it. <laughs> oh, no, I, you are right. I am on your side 100%. But I can also see how he's like sort of handsome-ish too. Like, I feel like this is the one who is in the cave that like all the cave honeys want to be with. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. I mean, he's 6'5". He's like real, real tall. And I feel like it's like too tall. Like he should have stopped while he was ahead. I have a question. How bad do you think he is at basketball to have not gone into that at 6'5"? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, why you be that tall if you're not good at basketball? Right. Just be be shorter, dog. <laughs> What's wrong with you being so tall, you green goblin-looking motherfucker? <laughs> why are you so fucking tall, you green goblin-ass fool? Uh... <laughs> Anyway, back to this movie. Uh, do we want to get into the actual movie? Are we not into it yet? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. We absolutely want to get into the movie. My God. Yes, please. I'm sorry. We just we had to have the salt burn discussion. Apparently. And now that we've had it. All right. Let's transition to the movie by saying that whenever I lay pipe, two people also die. Oh, God. Can you wait to the scene where a husband and daughter die before you make your awesome jokes? No, hold on. I got one. I got one more. They were driving down until they encountered a warp pipe straight to grief level eight. My, <laughs> anyway, we open on three women river rafting. I do love that Mikey thought the movie opened on the first scene that featured a man. Not the one that it actually opened on where it's three women whitewater rafting down a river. Yeah. I think you mean the scene that it began and ended on because that's the only scene <laughs> with a man in it. He's the only man in the movie. And <laughs> Wait, no, because the monsters are mate. Well, the monsters might be genderless. I don't know. They're not. No, they're men and women. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, because I think there's a lady one, right? There is. A, there is one lady one that we see. Yes. But Mikey, for you, this whole movie is a PSA on not distracting the driver, is what you're saying. Because it begins and ends with that car ride. She murdered her family by nagging, and that's all I have to say about oh, that. Man. What are you even talking about? The truth, Paige! The man is telling the truth! No, that's terrible. I mean, I will say, <laughs> she does distract him and he looks over, but it's his fault. Because he looks over like way too long like he's looking at her for like 15 full ass seconds before that car hits them yeah but we haven't even gotten there yet they're river rafting they get to the end of of the raft area and paul and jessica sarah's husband and daughter are waiting they decide to get in the car to drive back to the hotel and the other two women are going to meet them later 
Juno conspicuously is not really talking to them or involving herself in the situation. No. They do a great job of showing, not telling, that Juno is having an affair with the man that's about to die in the way that we described earlier. But at this point, you really don't know. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. But as they're driving, she says, yeah, you seem seem a bit distant. And I do really love the way this car crash is filmed because we as the audience see that oncoming car and you're just like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And then the car crash happens. Yeah. It's a great scene for dread. I think it's so well done. I think they do an amazing job with it, too. It's pretty graphic, though, because it's like yeah. brass poles like go through. It, copper pipe. Copper pipes. But yeah, like they go right through the husband and then hit the daughter. Like it's pretty graphic. Yeah, it's wild. And we cut to what we will find out is kind of a, a recurring nightmare, although in this case, kind of a premonition because the shots we're seeing are actually the ones from the cave. True. I do remember when the husband and daughter die, I was like, oh shit, I remember this movie. Cause up until that point I was like, Hmm, I know we've seen this, but I don't really remember. And then when that happened, I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Fuck. Cause this is a scary one. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah <laughs> I literally yeah. wrote that in my notes. This movie's scary. It is very scary. But in this nightmare slash premonition, she blows out the last candle, bathing everything in darkness. She wakes up screaming for Jessie, her daughter. We get a great, cool contra-zoom effect as she runs through darkening hospital hallways that are empty uh, until she finds her friend Beth and runs to her arms and Beth breaks the unfortunate news to her that her daughter Jessie is dead. Yeah. And she ends up sobbing on the floor of a now very, very crowded hospital. We cut to the Appalachians. Or Appalachians, if you're... If you're feeling fancy. <laughs> if you're feeling <laughs> accurate. What state park is it, Paige? Oh, Chattooga. I have gone down the, Ch the Chattooga River. I know, you told us about this when we did... Deliverance. Deliverance. Uh-huh. So I guess that's the river? It's, this is a cave next to the Deliverance Cave? Next to the Deliverance River? Allegedly. Allegedly is right, because if I remember my fun facts right, like all of the outdoor stuff was filmed in Scotland. No, Deliverance went down the... Ch 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 the, the Chattoo. I know. I'm just saying where the movie is actually filmed oh. was in Scotland. This movie's it is set in North Carolina from the point where after the hospital scenes, they're in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. But all those shots were shot in, I think, Scotland. And North Carolina is called that because they did not secede from the Union. Their state broke apart because the northern part did not want to join the Confederacy. Yes, but also none of this was shot there. I don't think. That's what we're saying, Mikey. None of this was shot even in the U.S. Oh, I know, I know. They just say it's in North Carolina. It's surprising to me you're still struggling to understand. Well, they're not speaking American. I know that. <laughs> okay, so Chattooga National Park doesn't exist. Uh, it's referencing the Chattooga River, which is a real river, loosely referenced. Uh, it's a reference to deliverance, basically, yeah. in this film. But all the cave stuff was shot at Pinewood Studios. I'll talk about that more in Fun Facts. Yeah. And pretty much none of the exteriors were shot anywhere in America. Most of them were shot in the UK. Yeah. Anywho, back to this movie. So Beth and Sarah are driving and we get kind of a brief conversation between them where we reveal that it's a year later and Sarah is still struggling in her grief because like who fucking wouldn't be? There's a fucking traumatic accident. And Beth is basically like, hey, you don't have to do this. You know, we can turn around or we can just stay in town. And Sarah goes, well, then you'll have to tell Juno, who we know is one of their other friends. Yeah. And they kind of complain that she's always dragging them out to these places. And she came to Scotland last year, but left pretty quickly. 
And at this point in the movie, I feel like this movie gives hardcore ritual vibes. It does. And in a lot of ways, kind of like a companion piece, I would say. I, they're similar movies in a very good way. I do agree they're similar. I think the ritual is more an exploration of like survivor's guilt and what that does to yes. people. Whereas this one, I think, is a little bit different, although it is still like grief heavy. Yeah, yeah, And I yeah. think that's why they have similar vibes. But they come up to an old barn where they run into Becca and Sam. Now, here's what's interesting. There's a shot early on with them in the barn, but it's shot from the outside looking in, even though all of our characters are inside the barn. Very much the feeling of a voyeur watching them. Yeah. Which I think is a really early giveaway that they're going to be kind of hunted throughout this movie. Because even though they we don't see a creature till an hour in, the creatures have seen them. Yes. And know about their presence the whole time. Yeah. We kind of go around the horn in this room where all of the girls have, have kind of collected, talking about how, you know, who each one of them are. This is gonna sound terrible. None of it's really that important, except to find out that Becca is going to be it's either Becca or Sam. I think it might be Sam. It's one of the blondes that's not Sarah. One <laughs> one of the blondes the blondes that's not Sarah. I think it might be Sam. Is going to be a doctor at some point. Yeah, she's going to med school currently. Yeah, it's it's the one who's in The Witcher. She runs Aratusa. You get it. Anyway. <laughs> if you ever met somebody who's in med school, it's like uh, CrossFit. They're going to bring it up in this conversation. You know what I'm saying? The reason they bring it up here in the movie is because we need to establish that she's going to be able to set that leg later. That's one of the only things you need to learn from this scene is that she could potentially help in a medical situation and that Holly doesn't think the hike they're going to go on is hard enough and is in things for the thrill because that will cause some of the issues later in the film yeah and she's new to the group too right like they don't know her yeah holly's the newest i okay let's talk about holly for a second we kind of infer that sarah has been absent from some of these gatherings for a while yeah because obviously from what happened yeah i mean her husband died and her, her husband and daughter died in a car wreck you know like she's going through a lot i think that's what they reference with juno saying she was in scotland last year but left quickly they were in scotland when the accident happened the man she was cheating on yeah but i'm not getting that's not what i'm trying to get at at all okay so blondie sarah has not been present in their activities group for like a year right and so I think a lot of these women are meant to kind of be replacements for her, but none of them quite replace her. So I think Holly is meant to be one of those replacements. And Juno kind of got all of them together as a way to kind of bring Sarah back into the fold. And so I think that's how we end up kind of with this group that some of them know each other, some of them don't. Because clearly Sarah knows Becca and Sam. Yeah. So they must have been part of the group or whatever. But Holly's the new one. And Holly's the one that's made a lot of the traveling plans with Juno, which I think typically would have been Sarah's job. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the nature of their relationship was between Juno and Sam outside of that they were friends and that Juno had slept with Sam's husband. The only reason I say that is because there's a couple conversations where Juno is talking about what they're going to do. And Sam or Sarah is like, we always file a flight plan. We always do this. So Sarah would have been their logistics person. And Holly even is, but we will find out that Juno did not trust Holly to tell her all the information she needed to complete those tasks. I think Juno did that on purpose because I don't think they would have agreed to go. But also I think Sarah 
was the yin to the yang where she would have strong armed Juno into giving up yes. that information. Yeah. Yeah. That is is very much kind of the relationship I got. By the way, I did some research. The character that was in The Witcher, that her name in this movie is Sam. Okay, so it is Sam. It I is was Sam. right. Okay. Yeah. Her her real name is Myanna Burning. Right, right, but right. But she plays the character Sam in this movie. Or Tesea in The Witcher. That's probably where most people will recognize her now, for sure. Yeah. It took me half the movie. I was like, I know I've seen this little English <laughs> girl before. And she's probably not English. She's probably something else. But yeah. yeah, I was like, I've seen her. I've seen her in some sort of period garb. Anyway. It was a metaphor. <laughs> is it? <laughs> That's why I started laughing when she said that, but yeah, perfect. Nailed it. You're in this cave with me! (laughs) (laughs) What is the traditional period garb for women? Well, it depends culturally on where you are, but also with your comfort level. Anyway, we we won't get into it. So we cut to them sleeping that night to get ready for leaving the next morning for their cave climbing, diving, spelunking expedition. Yeah. And Sarah has another nightmare about her daughter. We wake up and Juno goes for a run and then wakes everybody up. Everybody gets into the trucks, but not before Sarah takes pills. I mean, I assumed she was seeing professional help for her trauma and grief and and maybe had been prescribed something to help with depression. You know what? Maybe this is a good place to introduce one of the other theories. Okay. There is a theory, a reading that some people have of this movie that none of the monsters are real and she has hallucinated all of them and potentially kills all her friends. I don't see it, but that's cool. I just thought this was like a PRN anxiety med. <laughs> I didn't even think this was a real like a like a real prescription. I, I those are real prescriptions. I mean like an everyday thing. I thought it was like a PRN like I'm having a bad night, hythroxacine or whatever for like anxiety. Maybe. We never get a close up of the label so we don't fully know right but that is a reading of the film that people have i read some interviews with the director where he's like yeah you could definitely read the movie that way and he's (laughs) like but i mostly meant it this way i was like all right anyway so they get to their parking point i would say and conspicuously juno leaves the guidebook behind yeah they start their hike they walk past a real gross dead deer that I think the implication is that the cave goblins have eaten it. It wasn't ate on enough for me. I think it was just a random deer. I, I checked. I made sure to look closely this time. It may have just been like a foreshadowing of things to come. Yeah, it could be. Death. Now, have either of you watched the show Hellier? Is it on Stars? Uh, I only watch things on Stars, Paige. It, uh, yeah, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> if, if you. If that was true... You would have watched a lot of good things this year. Anyway, no, it was on Amazon Prime and there was uh, a first season and it is technically a documentary, I guess. And then there is a second season that I, I didn't find quite as interesting, but it's a group of people that go to investigate a cryptid that lives in a cave system and it's supposed to be goblins, but it is in Appalachia. It's like in this area huh. and there are a handful of local mythology surrounding essentially cave goblins that does not surprise me especially like in the appalachian mountains people go like missing when they go spelunking like not super often but it happens right yeah so if you're super into this movie i guess maybe check out hellier yeah so they come up on this random hole and holly is just like i'm gonna jump down there like immediately like she's caution to the wind she's down yeah but they set up they rappel down into this hole and toss flares this is where the bats come out and scare sarah and they don't look great yeah no they don't look great but i think it's fine it's like it's passable it's fine yeah they're walking around with flashlights trying to find the next 
area to go through in the cave. But this is also where Sarah sees that there's water dripping and potentially maybe sees a monster. Like, yeah, we're not 100 percent, but there's something around. Yeah, I think that it, the movie does a really good job of like cluing you in that there's something down there way before they see it. Yes, because we're like maybe 15, 20 minutes into the movie at this point, And we don't see them for like another good 40 minutes. Yeah, but they find the next passage. They start squeezing through. And it's very, very narrow. This is where I would have noped the fuck out. Yeah. I'd be like, this first thing was cool. Let's picnic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> call in a helicopter or something to get me out of here, but not that. But this is where Sarah brings up. She's like, this isn't how I imagined it. This isn't how the guidebook described it. Right. Well, because, you know, it's not. It's well, not, we'll get to it. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 We'll, we'll table it. Yeah. Yeah. But also, that guidebook, if you look at it, is like yellow. It's like caving for dummies kind of looking like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spelunking for dumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> but they climb through. Everyone gets through except Sarah. Sarah gets stuck. It's a tight squeeze. And just as Juno is coming back to pull her out, a cave-in happens, trapping them on the other side, but also they lose their second bag of rope, which will be important later. Yeah, it's so crazy to me that, like, they think that they have a chance to live after that cave-in happens. Oh, well, I mean, here's the thing. They do. I know, but, like, I would immediately be like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah. Because there's just so much ground that just smushed the ground that we were going to ground through. Yeah. So, like, now we can't ground out of here. Like, we're screwed. That's what I would have thought. Yeah, but they all make it into kind of a bigger cavern. And this is where they're like, okay, well, where does the guidebook say to go next? Because we have to get out. Like now, now it's like, hey, our fun cave time is over. Yeah. Now it's time to get out. I just can't believe that this group of women would not ask for directions and they lost their way. They had, they had no sense of direction. <laughs> I, mean, it's just, it's just, I just can't believe it. It's almost worse than that, Mikey. Like. Juno didn't bring the guidebook because she knows already that they're not going where the guidebook is going to be yeah. a help to them at all. There's, they're not even in the right cave. No. My theory is that Juno was like, I killed your husband and daughter. Now I've come back for you. No, Mikey. <laughs> That doesn't even make sense because Juno didn't even know that the accident was going to happen until it happened. And we'll talk about her thoughts because she does talk about it later. She lured all of these people out to a cave where no one else knew where they would be. That is that is fair, although I don't think she did it to kill them. I think she did it to try and reinvigorate her relationship with Sarah. Oh, I I think her reasoning was actually much more self-serving than that. I think she wanted to be credited with finding a new tunnel oh, system too. or whatever. 100%. And she knew yeah. she needed her friends to help her. So she just like lied to them yeah. to get them to die for her. Like it's a crazy thing to do. Yeah, it is because she reveals in, in this scene, she's like, well, I don't have the book. And they're like, why wouldn't you bring the book? And she's like, because it doesn't matter because we're not in that cave. Yeah. Oopsie daisy. Yeah. And everybody's super excited about it. Yeah. So now they have to find a way out. So they find another tunnel to the next portion of the cave but unfortunately it is basically a cliff yeah they can see that there's an area on the other side so they throw a flare across and then they get becca to climb across the ceiling of this cave yeah man and put anchors no thank you it's so badass though because she is rock climbing free soloing more or less although yeah. she is roped in and she's putting in things to anchor her so like she can rest because they're holding the other end of the rope but still right. that is so hard to do what she's doing yeah and she does make it all the way across 
They throw her another line. She feeds it through. And then they can just sort of like, you know, clip it on a carabiner and repel over. Not repel, but like pull themselves over yeah. as someone holds one end of the rope and the other end of the rope is anchored in where that lady just climbed over for. Right. 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 So like she makes it way easy for everyone else to climb over. And then Juno, because she can't leave any rope behind, has to let them take that guide rope that Becca worked so hard to put up. And now Juno has to do the exact same thing in reverse so they don't have to leave any rope behind. Like that is what they do there is like, that's not just regular rock climbing shit. That is like super next level rock climbing shit. Yeah. But before Juno climbs back over, cause Sarah's going to go across and then Juno's going to do the final climb. Yeah. And sh- Sarah basically says, was this about me or about you? Yeah. Basically like, was this really to get me back on this trip or were you self-serving? And she's like, well, no one's been here. I thought we could name it after us. And she's like, after me or after you? Exactly. Yeah. So Sarah gets across. And then as Juno is climbing, Becca clipped the last carabiner into an old climbing pick. It's actually the first evidence that anyone's ever been there, right? Because it is supposed to be this brand new cave system. So this is another one of those things that they do a great job of peppering in to like let you know like some of the lore or some of the things that have happened, but don't tell you about it. Right. They don't find like a manuscript or anything. It's just like a right. an old school, like hundred year old like anchor that they were using to climb across or whatever. Right. Now that anchor does kind of pull out. Yeah, it gives way. Juno falls. She does have to kind of climb back up. But everyone makes it across safe. They get into the next set of chambers where they see cave drawings and realize that the mountain depicts the cave as having two entrances. Yes. Which means that there potentially is a way out. But the question is, who drew those things? Where did they go? I was going to ask you, who do you think drew those? I think an older indigenous group of people drew those and that those are their bones in the cave. Very acceptable answer. I have a dirty joke written for this part. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Mikey, if you would please, your joke. Because I think this movie posits that a few went into the pink and one came out the stink of the cave. Oh my God. No. Nope. nope. I hate it, but I also laughed, so I'm guilty too, I guess. Yep. You failed the misogynist test. Wow. Wow, Todd. Oh, oh, that's what that was. Oh, okay. Okay. To be a progressive like me, you have to be able to perform the test. <laughs> and you guys won't let me start a cult. Nope. So I, okay, Paige, I, I think your reading is perfectly understandable. Mikey, yours is nonsense, but I'm here for it. I thought it was either the people who came in with that old school thing right to let them know hey there's another way out or whatever or it was like the people who eventually evolved into whatever these cave people are i can accept that too because they don't really have eyes they do have eyes but they they don't really work they can't really see yeah so i do think over the over time they just lost that so that their ancestors might have had that yeah and it looked like cave drawings from like thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago that's the reason i thought that yeah but i think it takes long i mean i'm not an evolution expert but like i'm not an evolutionist either i don't know those things are they're very much different than people. They are, yeah. Because even their ears are like bat ears and stuff. So I I just don't... No, I know. It would have had to have been like a million years. Like it would have to have been a very long time. Well, what I don't get was I thought H.G. Wells' Time Machine Man would come and rescue them from these Morlocks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, but can we talk about a prequel that focuses on a tribe in this area encountering these beings? I mean, that would be cool. Right? Sort of like Prey, but way more old school, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. They try to find the next tunnel with a lighter because they're tr- they're looking for airflow. Holly thinks she finds it and she just goes running basically through the tunnel. Yeah. Even though it is wet and slippery, she slips and falls. Compound fracture. It's real fucked up looking. Oh. But as they're trying to reset her leg, which is brutal. It is. Sarah finds an old metal helmet. Yeah. The broken leg grossed me out, man. It was pretty graphic and I hated it. It's pretty gross. Holly shouldn't have sprinted like that in the dark. That's very dangerous. I mean, she thought she saw daylight. They actually do explain it later that it's phosphorus in the rock or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. They explain it away in a way that where I, someone who doesn't know anything about climbing, was like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Ooh, rock magic. Right? Is this what people like mean when they collect crystals? <laughs> rock magic. Yes, it is. It has to be. Rock magic. I want to point out that Mikey just answered a call from his neighbor. And is now just shooting the shit with his neighbor. This is hanging out. While we're recording. He can't hear us though. He's talking to his neighbor. Yeah, sorry. Hey, Mikey. Sorry to interrupt the call with your neighbor just now uh, while we were recording. Sorry about that. Look, I cooked chili and gave them some. (laughs) And he was like, I just want to call you and tell you that that chili was fire. I love that chili. And I was like, oh man, that's really. And then he said, do you have your TV on? Turn it to channel four. The new episode of Chicago PD has them forming a partnership between mental health counselors and the police in the TV show. We thought of you. We wanted to, we wanted you to come watch it. Uh, you know what? That's pretty cool that they thought of me. You're a good neighbor, Mikey. You're like State Farm. Yeah. Because you're there. <laughs> they call me uh, Mike with the Christmas lights in this neighborhood. <laughs> Mike with the Christmas lights. Uh-huh. I like that. I'm just glad they liked my chili. I was nervous. This is my first, That was my first time cooking it. Oh, you gave them chili? Uh-huh. I made seven quarts. Mikey goes a little bit overboard when he nests during snow season. Why'd you make so much chili? I was like, I'm going to make two thirds of the recipe. And I was like, this is way more than two thirds of the recipe. Did you just look up like army personnel recipes for like mess hall time? Like, why did you? That's a shitload of chili, bro. You're one dude. It's my family's chili recipe in our family cookbook. So well, that explains. OK, yeah. OK, that makes sense. Is it the one for the restaurant? Uh, It's just been passed down. The duty restaurant? No, no. It's. But he I mean, but like. Mikey comes from a pretty big family. Like, it makes sense that they might make seven quarts of chili and just eat on it for a week or whatever. But Mikey is but one man. It's okay. I gave some, you know, I gave some to a bunch of neighbors. And then, like, I've I've got a bunch of leftovers. I'll freeze it if it doesn't last past tomorrow. I mean, it it lasts me through the snowstorm. All right. Oh, I think it's a great idea. You just made a lot of it is all I'm saying. But it's, it's awesome that you shared it and they liked it. That's great. Anyway, let's get back to this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're honestly almost halfway, a little more than halfway through the movie. Yeah, we should uh, find some. We should find some time to go to like humor land. Well, that's what Holly did. No, no, I, we can't. <laughs> I, I, you can't leave that in. No, <laughs> you gotta leave that in. <laughs> no, because it's a bone. You guys no. get it? Because <laughs> it was like her humorous bone. <laughs> oh my god. I don't get it, Todd. You asked me to do this, and then I did it. And you're like, I can't use that at all. And that's like the best joke I've said tonight. We can't use it because be- we could we could we could keep you telling us to go to Humorland. Holly Humor landed. Humor landed on her humorous. Right, she did. I'm gonna ruin one of Paige's fun facts. Go for it. That's the only boner we see in this film. <laughs> <laughs> I 
True. <laughs> I had a very dark reading of Juno. You thought it was anti-abortion, but that's not what Diablo Cody meant at all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do love that movie. Also, the reference to our Jennifer's Body episode where you also said that exact same thing. And like she, I think, is in a relationship with Holly. <gasps> I thought that too. I was going to say I think she's bi. Technically, I think she is. I think for her, she has to control people. So that is something that she uses to control people. That's the way I read all that. She's narcissistic, I think, in a way. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because they refer to Holly as her protege, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So they spend a lot of time together. There really isn't like a lot of romantic stuff between them, but I saw sort of like read it that way on some level. Because of Holly's short hair. No, <laughs> I feel like you absolutely could read it that way, Todd. I, I had similar suspicions, but I think you are right. I think Juno needs to be in charge because yeah. we see her a take charge readily, which is, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. But then we see her wrestle to keep control, even when she maybe is not in the best place to keep it. I agree. I also like Sarah does something in the cabin scene that is sort of similar when like everyone's talking about Sarah and then it, they start talking about themselves and we start to like learn more about the women and she brings up her husband and child like when yes and then that's the whole love each day thing where like we learn that her husband used to say love each day yes but it like really changes the vibe of the room because it was like yes. really fun silly like welcoming all these women that we haven't seen each other in a long time and we're learning a lot about them and then she's like but my dead husband once used to tell me that you should love each day and everyone's like oh shit that was a Real downer. There's also, and and I think I may have skipped over it in my notes. I, I don't remember exactly, but there's one time where they talk about the accident and Juno says, we all lost something in that accident. Yeah, right? Which, again, is a great foreshadowing. That was my clue that Juno was, that one of them at least was having an affair with the husband. Because I think for Beth, she means we lost our fun freewheeling friend. That was part of this friend group that didn't have this, let's call it, it's terrible to call it emotional baggage, but that is what they mean. Yeah. You know, but what Juno is actually saying is like, I also lost someone I loved. But both of those readings are bonkers because she also had a kid. So there's no way she didn't have a more complicated life than, the, than, than Juno with having a kid. Right. What are you trying to say? Well, I mean, with her saying, like, my friend was emotionally broken and not as much fun to go on girls trips with or whatever. Like she's not saying it to her. She's saying we all lost something in the accident, but not completely being obvious about what she means is that she also lost her husband because there was an affair. Yeah. I mean, I know that's what she meant. Oh, I thought she said that because her friend knows. I think Beth doesn't officially know until she has the necklace, but may have known and the movie is a little vague if you're that third friend though you are going to put your head as deep in the sand as you possibly can because that is something i do not want to find out after the fact Ooh, discussion time let's say one of you was sleeping with jake but then jake dies does the other one of you tell me do you guys want to take a guess as to which one of us would be sleeping with jake first <laughs> do you guys want to guess out there in podcast land yeah I'm, I'm just saying if you are the third wheel in that situation but the person that the cheating was happening around dies do you tell them or do you like let dead dogs lie i love this question because it is like hard to answer because the surviving cheating victim still deserves to know, but 
do you want to disparage their dead loved one's memory? Right. Like there is really no resolution after telling them that for the person who was left alive. Right. Well, and, and yes, the kid, she did lose a kid too, but I feel like that's more personal to her. Losing the kid doesn't impact Juno or Beth necessarily, other than the fact that it makes Sarah sad. So in this, do you disparage the dead person by telling the truth? Okay, so if if Todd was sleeping with Jake and I didn't know for sure, but I had suspicions and then Jake died, I would never know for sure. So why bring it up? I don't want to know. I would never ask Todd. I would bury that. But what if you found out and we're like, oh, I am sure now. I guess I need to find a new group of friends because this is too complicated to navigate. Mikey, that sounds like cowardice. And I would probably do the same thing because I don't know that it's worth it. But it would be hard for me to be around that and know that and not I don't know it would be hard I don't think there is a right answer to that yeah can I say that like let's say I'm receiving that information I feel like maybe it hurts but also I'm like he's dead so what does it matter at this point exactly right especially if it's like a while since the death yeah like if you told me that what my dead grandmother had an affair with a family friend, I'd be like, wow, she had a wild life. Like, it doesn't impact, you know? Yeah, but, like, you're not married to your grandmother. I mean, like, you know. That you like, know of. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I know, but I'm just like, there are some things like that that I'm like, well, I can't fix it or do anything about it. And continuing to think about it and dwell on it might just make me feel worse. Yeah. So it depends. It would depend on how the person's doing. Like if they're not doing well, I yeah. don't think I would tell them at that time. And like, yeah. you know, and then it, did they have suspicions? Like, and then also what's the other person doing? What are they being like? I, I, I like there's a lot of factors there. Because you're right. You, it's hard to, like, would that help at all or not help at all or ruin an image? Yeah. Like, if they're making peace with it, do I want, do I set it back? I, I don't, I don't know. Then again, if like, if there's like a letter I found or something and I read it and it told me that Jake was sleeping with Todd. Right. I would just hand you that letter and be like, I found this letter. Okay. And then, and then that would be. Whatever I choose to do with it is my business at that point. Right. That's fair. One of my favorite party down episodes is where they do a funeral and the mistress and her son show up at the funeral and they spend the whole time trying to hide it. And then the widow finds out and is like, oh, we had an open marriage. It's actually nice to meet you. And then the reveal is that there's multiple other mistresses at this funeral. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes it might be something like that because you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I love that Mikey pretty much just like P.S. I loved you through a letter from Jake that admits to his infidelity with me. And listen. I'm here for it. Except it turned out his mom wrote it. <laughs> I'd probably tell. I'd probably t I, I would probably tell. I'd probably try not to, but then. I do think you got to pick, you got to call your spot. You got to like give them time to grieve enough to where they can handle that information though. So I'd put it on a cookie cake. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. Like, I think it's like a cookie puss moment, right? Like it, it's called a message cookie. Yeah. Like they're, they don't discriminate what message you put on it. I don't think they're allowed to. Like you can make Fudgy the Whale say anything. Jake slept with Todd before he died. I just found out. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just cuts to Paige crying and like eating a cookie but cake. still eating the cake. I'm not going to let it go to waste. This is buttercream frosting. I mean, this is a sad but delicious cookie cake. <laughs> yeah. I I think if I 
was gonna remain being really close friends with someone, I would have to tell them. I, I now that I'm processing it, like uh, that would bother me too bad. It would be hard to remain close to them and not tell them. Yeah. What's better, a cookie cake or an ice cream cake? I will go ice cream cake. I would do a cookie cake because, and I'll just tell you because you take the time element out. I don't know what I'm gonna have to do to like get up the nerve to do that. And I don't want the message to melt. And then I would have to explain it on my own. Oh, my God. So Mikey is going to deliver an extremely stale stale cookie cake to you. And you won't be able to eat it. (laughs) No, not stale. I mean, I don't know how long you guys think ice cream cake is good for, but that shit starts melting. Because you got it six months ago and you've been bulking on taking it over. I wouldn't do six months, but like an ice cream cake, you got like 20 minutes tops. Have you never had an ice cream cake? No, you don't. They come frozen. You have to defrost them for like an hour anyway. Look, you guys, I'm not going to put it on some, I'm not going to get the Kroger Carnival cheese, like ice cream. No, no, We're going to no. get a Baskin, Baskin Robbins. Robbins. Like yeah, a yeah. good one. Yeah, you got to go to Baskin Robbins to get the good shit. Yeah. Or Ben and Jerry's. You got to order the one that looks like a log. And then under it, if you could write, sorry, Todd, fucked your dead husband. <laughs> Love, Mikey. He was Before alive he at was the time. Dead. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. he was dead. Oh, he yeah. was alive yes, at please. the time. <laughs> Let's make it clear that I only had sex with Jake while he was still alive. Yeah, you didn't like salt burn his grave. It's fine. <laughs> I think cookie cake. They're, they're cheaper. They're lighter. You don't want this thrown at you if it is thrown at you. If it's not offered for you to have. Why'd I get the one with nuts? (laughs) (laughs) If if Paige does not offer me a slice, it's not the end of the world. I love ice cream cake. I would be sad about that. Oh, I, I, I get it. Yeah. I do love that Mikey comes over with an ice cream cake that says the saddest sentence ever written. And then he's like, hey, when you're done reading that, can you cut me off a slice before I go? I just want a roll. Can you give me one of the corners? <laughs> the, one of the corners with the most frosting on it. Can I have one of the roses? Yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest thing you've ever seen written on a cake? Happy birthday? I don't think I've seen anything crazy written on a cake. You need to get out more. I, I did some weird cookie cake stuff for COVID at our company. (laughs) (laughs) I am not at all surprised by that, by what you've just been saying. I hope we make it out soon. Stuff like that. (laughs) I hope we make it out soon. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're in lockdown. I forgot, Mikey, they promoted you to chief morale officer during COVID. I got promoted to program manager like two weeks before the tornado and I'm dealing with the disaster tornado and the the health department's like, we have to shut, we're going to shut down the whole country in like three weeks. I was like, what? That's crazy. (laughs) And then cut to, cut to six weeks later. I'm like in the office, just PPE'd up. And I'm like, oh man, everyone's working from home. And like, I'm here with this cookie cake that says, hope we live. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that Mikey told us earlier in the story that he bought the cookie cake and he bought it on a day that no one but him was at the office. Everyone was remote, so he could eat it alone. No, 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 no. We kept open all of our treatment beds. We had our whole crisis team. Like, we had plenty of people there. Okay, okay, okay. Are you going door to door with a cookie cake that says, hope you live? No, we, we were in the crisis center, and I was just like, oh. That'd be nice. Don't do it. Let's get cake. Uh, No, it's just like weird morale boosting stuff. I think Mikey is just now realizing what he did. I also made HR change the company t-shirt policy that six months. So I could finally wear my God can beat up your God t-shirts? No, 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 no. I did one. It was a pandemic at the disco and it was the clip art of like John Travolta doing the the disco. (laughs) The disco ball was a COVID virus. Hell yeah. And it was too soon. It was before all the like 
science deniers like gain all the ground so like it's a cookie cake that says too soon question mark <laughs> it was too soon <laughs> and it was like a really cool design and it got out of my department so it was like i had like 74 orders and then it like went to other departments and then they were like that is not appropriate i had to do 74 venmo refunds and then they formed a committee that approves all t-shirt designs <laughs> after <laughs> I love that this story includes Mikey designing merch, selling 77 prints of it, and then having to refund all of that. That's insane. He shows up to the meeting with like disco shirt, yes, no, on a cookie cake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I le I've learned a lot the last few years uh, as I was in management uh, and messaging on shirts and apparel and, and cookies and cakes and you know <laughs> safe is more you know what i'm saying like yeah. safe is more i think what we've learned is if you've got something sad to say say it with a cookie cake say it with a cookie yeah. cake <laughs> you know mrs field's <laughs> famous motto let me tell you what being funny has gotten me in the corporate world nothing absolutely nothing but pain oh it's gotten you put on warnings for sure same for me oh. yeah this is Mikey from Harvard, and I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Harvard in here. <laughs> talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor. They ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? <laughs> Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Anyway, we're back to Holly going to Humorland. <laughs> With her broken humorous <laughs> book. <laughs> we found our way there on a path paved with cookie cakes. We did get there. I was getting too sad. I wanted a little bit of levity. Just, I'm just picturing her like, here, I can help. And then pulling out a cookie cake. This is sorry, your leg hurts. Get well soon. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Sarah finds that metal helmet and she kind of goes looking around into basically the next area of the cave. And she hears like a low, low growl shines her flashlight around and this is the first time we see one of the creatures and it runs away but they don't see them yet well no sarah has seen one 
No one believes her. Yeah. She runs back and Juno's like, you didn't see shit. Well, I think it's because they're already sort of panicking because the shift has happened and they don't know if there's a way out, right? And Juno is just like trying to keep everyone's shit together because she knows that if they stay in one location, they're eventually just going to die, right? So they've got to keep moving and try and find a way out. Or if she knows that they start thinking too much, they're going to blame her for their deaths. Well, I mean, right. it is her fault, so yeah. Yeah. But if she can keep them moving and get them out, then it's going to be like that time Juno tried to kill everybody, but everyone survived. Right. Uh, but now it's like shit's fucked because like one of them's hands is like all cut up from the rope burn thing. That would be brutal. And now we're down also a humorous bone. She went down the tunnel to humorous land. And now like things are beyond we're going to be okay eventually, you know? Right. So they start moving. They have to move Holly because that's her only hope of getting out of the cave. And this is where they kind of enter one of the rooms with the flares. They see a bunch of bones of dead animals. We will find out it's probably dead people. But Holly has her camera and they turn on the infrared. And this is the infamous shot of them kind of scanning the room. And then right behind is one of the monsters who screeches, bites the neck. Holly is dead like instantly, just like lunch. It's so fast how this goes down. Yes. Like it's so crazy. Yeah. It's so scary, man. Yeah. Uh and everyone scatters. Of course. Like if you saw that or honestly, most of them probably didn't see much because they couldn't see through the infrared what we could see. They heard the screech. Yeah. And everyone just scattered. Yes. And that would be even scarier, I think, cuz you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, cuz now you're alone. Yes, yeah, screech down there. That would be scary. He's my least favorite save by the way. <laughs> Uh, R.I.P. Screech. Uh, anyway, maybe it is Screech. I don't know when he died. I don't know what happens to us after we die. Maybe you become a cave monster. Only if you were a cave monster in your before time. <laughs> Principal Belvedere oh, sorry. definitely hit on a lot of girls I knew when he came to our college town to visit. Oh, yeah. No, he. Yeah. I've heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, they scatter and they end up in various places so like becca and sam end up together kind of hold up in a room with a ton of bones and they kind of just stay very still sarah falls and hits her head then juno is trying to fight the monsters beth comes up behind her juno swings and accidentally gets beth right through the throat it's brutal it's so sad and beth is she's definitely gonna die yeah there's no saving her yeah no saving her she's gonna die and we sort of litigated this before but just like to repipe it like I don't think there's anything Juno could have done differently and I don't think the other girl did anything wrong I it's just like Juno was so amped up from literally fighting off two monsters yeah and thought another one was coming up on her because it's dark I, I don't know I just felt so bad for both of them in that moment well she didn't announce her presence yeah but I mean in that moment would you think to do it and, no absolutely not and even if she did would you hear it with all the screeching and scuttling probably not like probably not but she basically is like don't leave me and juno's like um but i'm gonna go yeah no i'm not gonna stay right but as she falls to the ground as she's saying like don't leave me she grabs juno's necklace and it pulls it off of her and now she has juno's necklace well, oh come on man 
I'm not going to stay with every person I accidentally kill until they're dead. I mean, that's like a little much. You got to get back in the car and keep driving or else I'm going to charge you with that hit and run. He's not going to bring him a quesadilla, that's for sure. Well, he doesn't even bring live ladies quesadillas, so. Exactly. Just cookie cakes that say, thank you for letting me sex you. (laughs) (laughs) In frosting. He just keeps a bunch of them in his fridge and like hands them to them as they walk out the door. Oh, the next time I'm dating someone, I'm going to get them a cookie cake with that message after I have (laughs) sex with them. (laughs) Thank you for the penis touch. (laughs) (laughs) It might might be the last thing that we ever do, but like, I think it's worth it. Well, I mean, (laughs) the comedic premise was it's a negative, sad message on the cake. You don't have to do that. You can make it a silly one. Right? Right. Like, thank you for the penis touch. It doesn't have to say you have HPV or something. Like, it could just be, like, something silly. I do love the thank you for the penis touch, but I think you need to get multiples of them and keep them in the fridge so when she sees you take one out, there's, like, a stack of three others in there. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yes. I love it. Don't forget your t-shirt and tote bag. I'll get it, and I'll put her first name as the first word, but I'll get a different name crossed out first. And then her first name above it. <laughs> Janelle, no, <laughs> Brittany. <laughs> I love it. If they don't laugh at that, they might not be the one for me. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> Just me and Brittany eating cookie cake. Eating cookie cake. I'm like, are you going to take the picture of the cake and send it to your girlfriend? <laughs> oh, you know they would, I, I but would. it wouldn't be a positive kind of message. <laughs> I would be dying. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Uh, anyway, we cut to. Becca and Sam, who are kind of huddled together with the camera, and they watch as essentially the monsters feed on Holly. They watch as the monsters feed on Holly, and this is where they discovered if they're quiet, the monsters don't notice them. But they learn that in a very tense way because they're like lying down in a crack in the floor, and this like cave monster like crawls above them, and it's like pretty tense. Like, yeah, from here on out. Which is only about 30 minutes of movie. It's yeah. pretty tense. And the only time they release that tension is because they're about to build you up to another very scary jump scare. Right. And so the creatures are literally crawling over them oh, because they, yeah. they don't know they're there. And the watch that Sam set in the car goes off. Yeah. Oof. And they suddenly have to run. I love the struggle for her to take the watch off as it's crawling back to them because it hears the sound. It's like the worst game of Marco Polo. Yeah. But she takes off the watch and throws it so it goes past them to the watch. And it stops. And then he like hits it with his nose and it beeps again. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like a weird scene. I don't know. It was funny. I think it's easy to set traps for creatures that are attracted to sound. Like this didn't, this is what bothered me about the, uh, the movies about the creatures that are attracted to sound quiet mouse a quiet place quiet Quiet place place. quiet mouse yes like if you know that why wouldn't you just like have a speaker a ton of guns and stuff i mean but like they're armored whatever but like that always bothered me i think they do a pretty good job of explaining it in that specific movie but you're right like there are ways to trick these cave monsters and i do think them learning that in this moment sort of Maybe doesn't give them an upper hand, but helps level the playing field some. Which I like because this is a bunch of women in a cave. It's not like fucking Predator down here where it's like elite special forces. Right. But these women are like fighting back. Like Sarah and Juno at the end are like full on badass mode. And I love that. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. I mean, we saw Juno a little bit when she's killed one of the cave trolls that was taking her friend right. and then spun around and killed her friend. Well, and we see it in this next scene, too, because while while Becca and Sam are kind of hiding, Juno is not hiding. 
Juno is literally out for blood, killing everyone that comes at her and screaming as she does it. Yeah. To the point where Sam even says, like, they're like, oh, my God, she's going to bring down the whole place on her making that noise. And Sam is like, as long as it's not my head. Yeah. Basically, like, as long as they kill her, not me, which I fully get. Me too. I mean, especially because Juno was the one that tricked them into coming into a cave that they had no business being in. Yep. Meanwhile, Sarah wakes up in a pile of bloody corpses. Yeah. And she kind of takes Holly's leg bone and some of her clothes to make a torch. Oh, wait. Did you talk about them bringing We're about her- to get to it. Well, because she can't take Holly's humerus bone until they bring Holly in and they eat her. We kind of talked about that. It, okay. It's all cut in between. But yes, they brought Holly in, they ate her, but then Sarah wakes up. Yeah. To them basically eating Holly. Well, and she's seeing all of that through the camera, right? So she's like... So that's Becca and Sam watch it through the camera, but they can't see Sarah. So that's what makes Becca and Sam stay still. But Sarah is waking up to this with Holly's already eaten at that point, basically. I got you. Okay. Yeah. But that's how she like harvests the bone and she's going to make a torch and... Becca and Sam kind of make a run for it because they're trying to kind of get away because Juno is making noise. And Juno kind of comes up behind them fighting the the monsters and just snaps one's neck. It's badass, man. She is pretty impressive. I mean... Fucking badass. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, But now that they have a dead one, Sam, who's the one who's going to be a doctor, is like, okay, what are we fighting? Based on their eyes, they can't really see well, but they, they hunt with sound like a bat. And they've evolved somehow to live down here in the dark. They maybe look human, but maybe not. Who knows? But in the melee, Juno thinks she's found a way out because the previous climbers left arrows and marked their route. So if we follow the reverse of their route, it should leave us out. Yeah. So at this point, Sarah, having made the torch, hears Beth because Beth is still alive. She's still bleeding out. Sarah uncovers her. Beth gives her the necklace Because Sarah says, I heard Juno calling for me. And Beth is like, do not trust her. Yeah. Here's the necklace, which, of course, reveals that Juno was having an affair with her husband. Because the necklace says love each day, which is what her husband used to say. Right. And at this point, Beth is like, just don't leave me here. Like, find your own way out, but don't leave me here. And Sarah's like, please, I don't think I can just come with me. And she's like, no, I'm going to die. But like, please don't leave me here to live through this. So she takes a rock and smashes her head. But as that's happening, she gets tackled. She flips the the monster over and stomps it to death. Yeah. Which is wild. Sarah's a badass too, man. And This is a brutal scene though, because she like, I think does a very kind thing for her friend, but kills her friend. Yes. And that would be like so hard to do. I don't think I could kill either of you. When she is saying, kill me, or, you know, please, please kill me. And Sarah is saying in return, I can't do that. I cannot do that. Like, I understood that. I could if I if I thought that you living would feel worse. Oh, and it definitely would. Like, she does her a kindness. Yeah. Oh, that would be so hard to do, though. In this situation, if either of you were in Beth's position, I would kill you. Because I would consider it a kindness. I would want you to. Yeah, like, I do think it's a kindness. Yeah, if Todd stubs his toe and needs me to do that, I'll do it. <laughs> no, Mike, hang on, hang on, hang on, Mike. Nothing like that low level, right? Okay, but I need us to rewind to our dog soldiers episode where the guy had his intestines hanging out and I was like, please shoot me if this happens. And Mikey was like, no, I'm gonna drag you through the rest of the mission. 
I'm like, absolutely not. Jake and I have a pact. And then we asked Jake and Jake was like, absolutely. I would shoot you because I love you. And I was like, yeah, that's right. And now Mikey's like, no, I would definitely shoot people, not drag them through a dog soldier's mission. No, I, I mean, I'd probably keep you guys alive. No. Because I'm mean. But I give you a cookie kick about it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't kill you in the cave. <laughs> Sorry, I kept you alive. Be like, where did you find a cookie cake in the cave? You haven't <laughs> left. I brought them. You brought this from home? Oh, I found a way out hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let me dethaw the I didn't kill you when you asked me to cake. So... After she has stomped that one to death, she notices there's another one crawling around. And this is the lady one crawling around. And it's one of the only ones that has hair. Well, because it's the lady one, right? I mean, anyone could have hair, but I feel like they were trying to make it a lady one. I think so, too. She goes and runs. She falls into a giant puddle of blood and viscera. And who should also come out of that same puddle? The lady one. And they have a slap fight, which I love. It was actually, it was great. Yeah. And it shot so scary because she falls in. And then cuts to a different shot of like just the bloody pool, for lack of a better term. And you see bubble. And then just slight bubbles. Bubble, bubble, bubble. Yeah. And then it, her head comes up. And then it's all one shot. And then it starts to pull back and she starts to move over. And then something that has always been in the shot who we didn't realize was the lady, the lady troll lady, like yep. attacks her. And that was so scary because there are so many things in there that look like just rocks. Right. But one of those rocks was her. Right. And she was waiting for, yeah, it was so scary. It's so well done. This movie's so well done. After she slaps her a couple times, she reaches and finds a sharp bone and stabs her through the eye, oh. killing her. It's so graphic. However... That's not the only one. There's another one. So she stays still on the rock as it crawls over her. Yeah, because that's the like more masculine looking cave trolled thing. And it like walks over, puts its hand on her head even, not realizing yeah. that's her. Right. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. But she takes another rock, smashes his head in with the torch and then stands up and screams just this like primal cry it's fucking great which is fucking great yeah. now this scene is part of the other reading of the film that is she might be like all of the monsters might be in her head because in the cut from this scene so she screams and it's a very interesting edited cut because it cuts to a monster screech where the others are yeah and the question is is that her or not Right? Has she reemerged as this new being metaphorically, which is how I would read the movie? Uh -huh. Or was it always her that they are running from? discuss or not but like just something to think about i mean i definitely don't read it that way but i can see why you would yeah right that's just not what i saw when i saw it but i can see how you got there i personally read it more metaphorically but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. here's how i read it i think she was put in this situation where it was either fight for your life or die yep and her getting bathed in blood and, and fighting is the surprise that she wants to live yep and fight for life and then she comes out of that reborn as a new person that has gone beyond her grief i agree which is why she is sort of reborn in this moment she literally is baptized in blood and comes out i agree completely i think it is her realizing that she is not gonna let the grief of losing her husband and daughter kill her which is a good metaphor for trauma because yes. you know it does change you and you come out and you're a different person the other side absolutely it does yeah i think that metaphor holds up and i and that's why i like that she gets a, that's why i like the ending that she comes out me too but i think they should cut it Right after she breaches out of the cave, 
and that one shot and then cut it. Even that, I think, is shot to look like a birth. It is. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. so. And then, but the movie should end right there. Like, that's credits. That's where it should go right to the picture of all the ladies they took right before they went into the cave. And then credits. Yes, yes. Or just her running and then credits. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, I guess, well, we're talking about it now. We might as well talk about it now. I don't mind the other ending because I feel like even with this, because this is how I read this scene of her deciding she wants to live and truly fight. I do feel like even with the other ending, she has fought to the point that she physically can fight. And even though she will lose, she at least finds peace, like reuniting with her daughter. In death, really? Yes. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that, but I also don't have a problem with the other ending. So, you know, but anyway... So the rest of them run and they're following the arrows, but they get to essentially another cliff drop off where they have to climb. Yeah. So Sam goes to try and climb, but they don't have enough rope. And as she looks up, one of the cave people is climbing above her. It slashes her throat. She stabs it so it dies. Well, it doesn't quite die. It falls down into, and what we hear is water below them, although we don't really know that because it's so dark. But now we do because that body made a splash, right? Right. But I mean, not before killing her, like it slashed her throat. So like she like falls over dead and like is laying back. Bleeding out of her neck. Yeah. Yeah. Like looking at her friends who were like fucked right in this moment. And then right then it's Juno and one other lady. And that lady. It's Juno and Becca. Yeah. Becca gets dragged down the tunnel and it like rips her fingernails and stuff. Oh yeah. And like they eat her immediately. So she's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Immediately dead too. So it's just Juno, and Juno doesn't yet fully know if Sarah's still alive. So, but those are the only two really left, right? Those are the only two left, and Juno jumps and lands in the water. Yeah, where that that guy is still alive, but she grabs that knife and stabs him a couple more times yeah. and then swims up. She takes it out of him to kill him with it. It's nuts, right? But she climbs out, and Sarah pulls her up again, covered in blood, full badass. Yeah, and she's like. Becca, no. And she says, Beth didn't make it. And she says, you saw her die? Because this is Sarah trying to confirm what Beth told her, which was that Juno killed her. I think this is Juno's one opportunity to live. Yeah. And she does not tell her the truth. Right. Or at least the full truth. Right. So they work to make it out, but they end up in a room surrounded by cave people with flares. Yeah. And essentially, they have fought as many of them as they can, but there's too many. They are overpowered. And so Sarah spikes Juno in the leg with her pick and reveals the necklace. Yeah. And leaves Juno to die. Basically is like, now I get a head start because you're bait. Yeah. And this scene up to this point, and honestly, this point's pretty badass too, but it's badass. Like, yeah. it is like both of them, they have humorous torches, you know? And they're like, one's holding a pickaxe, one's holding a knife, and they are just like Tomb Raider wrecking these cave trolls or whatever. Yes. And then there is a lull in the action because the first wave is dead, and that's when Sarah wounds Juno so she can leave, more or less. She uses that bait to at least continue down the cave, and she falls down a hole. She slips and falls into a boneyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's revealed... That that is right by the exit. And she just runs up to the exit. Yeah, and yep, climbs up to daylight. Very cool shot as she's climbing up. It's beautiful because it's so dark. I like this movie, yeah. That yeah. like all you see is the light coming from where the cave entrance is. And it's illuminating the path up on bones to the exit. 
And at the bottom, all you see is bones. Yeah. It's amazingly shot. It's beautiful. But she runs out. And I do love these next couple shots because she's running through the forest just screaming at the top of her lungs. She's just like, ah! I know. Ah! It's ah! awesome. And then when she gets to the truck, she puts her face on the truck like she would never be able to say the word truck again in her life. Like she just seems so happy to be on the truck. Yes. And then also screaming, then gets in the car and starts it and drives away. Like it's complex grief. Yeah. Well, and, and drives a distance, but then pulls off the road sobbing. A truck honks at her and she like barfs out the window a little bit because she's just like, oh my God, I'm out. Uh, and turns and Juno's ghost is there. Yeah. And that's the, that's movie. the movie. Unless you're watching the UK version, in which case she wakes up to find out that she is still in the cave, but now hallucinates that her daughter is there blowing out that one last birthday candle. They blow it out into the darkness. And, and that's, that's the UK the movie. movie. So having seen this movie and they talked about the movie, what'd you guys think about The Descent? Very good. Really, really well done. I mean, it's got to be top 10 in the last 10, 15 years. I think it's actually older than that. I mean, it's it's almost 20 years. Yeah, it'll be 20 years in two. It's 23 years old. Yeah. God. I know. So, But I mean, I agree. I think it's one of the better horror movies that we've done for this podcast. Like, I think it's a really well done, but very scary movie. I think it's one of the better modern horror films. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But man, is it scary. Like, I don't really even know this guy's name, although I looked it up. His name is Neil Marshall, the guy who wrote and directed this. And also did Dog Soldiers. And Dog Soldiers, yeah. And Doomsday. Like, he's really good. He's done a ton of stuff, but this is early for him. Yeah, so the last movie he wrote was The Layer. Uh, before that, it was The Reckoning. That was from 2020. Yeah. He wrote The Centurion, which was not a uh, not a horror movie. But uh, it had Michael Fassbender, and it's like uh, Roman soldiers. It was it slapped, but it's not great. Anyway, we don't have to talk about it. But so, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Descent fun, fun facts. facts. Now, according to one of the commentary tracks on the special edition DVD, the actress who played Holly had a full life cast done and a replica made so that they could like rip her body apart. Of course, yeah. And after they finished filming, she got to keep the head. And according to her, one time she put it in her mom's freezer as a joke, uh, which I think is great. That is not fun. That's brutal, man. Oh, man. That's a funny joke. That's amazing. <laughs> so almost all of the cave sequences were filmed at Pinewood Studios. They made 21 separate cave sets Damn. for the film. That's a lot. That's great. That's a lot. Uh, some of them big, some of them small, and they were reused with different camera angles, set dressing, and lighting to make them look like an endless collection of tunnels and caverns, but in real life, just a handful of walls, etc. Now, they often limited the lighting of the sets to light sources that the protagonist brought with them, like flashlights, helmet lights, and light sticks, but that means that depending on how big the set is and depending on where those lights are, sometimes that changes the lighting, which is why in that one shot toward the end where there's a bunch of cave people, some sets of them look different because the lighting was different on that day. Yeah. Part of the reason they did this is because they thought it would be too dangerous to film in an actual cave and it would have been too time consuming. So they just built one instead. I think they made the right choice. A hundred percent. They absolutely did. They would not have been able to make it so beautiful without that. Right. Without it being more controlled and you don't have an, you don't have a controlled environment inside a cave. Right. Now, production on this movie was fast tracked because they were trying to release before an American movie called The Cave that was coming out the same year, 
But unfortunately, this movie opened in the same week as the 2005 London bombings. Um, all of the crawlers, is what they're, they're called, were professional actors as opposed to stuntmen or dancers. And they were asked to each create a distinct character for their crawler. Although even in the finished film, most crawlers only appear for a few seconds. Yeah. Now, the appearance of the crawlers was kept secret from cast members until the very first scene where they encountered them was filmed. Wait, they really? They weren't allowed to see... Yes, they weren't That's allowed to awesome. see makeup. They weren't allowed to see anything. When they were finally filming the scene where the group encountered the crawlers, the actors were genuinely scared and screamed uh, Run and ended up running off set and laughing because obviously, like, it scared them in the moment. They were like... Oh, God, that's what they're going to. OK, all right. Take two. <laughs> but that shows you how scary they were because the actors right. were scared and then realized, oh, shit, I'm in a movie like this is fine. I can laugh about yeah, this yeah. like a haunted house. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like a haunted house. I hate haunted house. I would I would not be able to do a. <laughs> I, I don't think I could do a movie like this. Anyway, the actresses in the whitewater rafting sequence did it by themselves without any stunt doubles. Uh, and you can you can see that, too. I mean, it's clearly them in those wide shots, you know? Yeah. It, the fun facts name check the guy that built the caves and I was like oh what else did he do uh, and just so you know Johnny English strikes again uh, but also a bunch of other things but not a ton of things that were as famous stateside he's more famous in the UK I mean that makes sense all that shit was on Pinewood Studios which is in London yeah now many of the crawlers were actually shot at 18 frames per second with a 45 degree shutter to give them staccato movement. They do look very sharp in movement. Yeah. Yes. That's cool. One of the crevices that they built for the fake caves was so narrow and slippery that the actresses called it the vagina. <laughs> yeah. Well, that saves me from having to make a crass joke when you said openings was slip. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and I'll, I'll end on this one. So Neil Marshall, who directed this, uh, obviously directed Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Didn't necessarily want this to be his first film right after, but ultimately decided he would do it and he would make it an all-female cast to kind of offset Dog Soldiers. Yeah. But one of the things he did not realize when writing it, uh, he's not very claustrophobic. So he wrote in all of those elements just to be realistic to cave dwelling. But as you we talked about on this podcast, Many, many, many people are claustrophobic. Yeah. And he didn't realize how much that was going to scare people. So when he started showing it to test audiences and some of them were citing the claustrophobia as scarier than the monsters, he was actually very surprised by that. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for The Descent in 2006? Five million francs. Okay. It's a UK movie, but okay, Paige, what do you what do you think it is? I'm gonna say six million. Paige, that's a pretty good guess. It was actually seven million dollars, but great guess. If you adjust for inflation, that's almost eleven. It's ten point nine million dollars. Now, this movie came out on August fourth, two thousand six, and was fifth in the theaters that weekend. It was beat by Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Number two was Barnyard. The original Party Animals. Number three was Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Number four was Miami Vice. And number five was The Descent. What do you think it made in its opening weekend? Four million. Okay. Was it international release or just in America? This is in the U.S. I do have total international box office. I don't have the breakdown by country, though. Unfortunately, I did look for it. I'm going to say Six. Both good guesses, but it actually made almost $9 million, $8.9 million nice. in its opening weekend, which is more than the budget. 
It was in the domestic, and again, I realize this is a UK production, but when I say domestic, I mean US. It was in domestic theaters for 10 weeks, but it was never again in the top five. In its second week, it was number eight and then fell out of the top 10 and sort of remained there until it was gone. But what do you think it made in the domestic box office? 19. Okay. 22. Mikey, you're actually a little bit closer. It's $26 million. Now, this is an international-based movie. It was based in the UK, obviously. So it brought in a pretty good amount internationally. It brought in $31 million internationally for a total worldwide box office of $57 million. And if you adjust that for inflation, that takes that up to almost $90 million. It's technically $89 million today, which is great. It also did really well in the home market. So it made another $24.3 million in the home market. So it did great. Yeah, it did really good. So he's obviously still out here making movies because he knows what he's doing. And he always makes money when he releases a film. But that's your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit us with that scary scale? Yes, our scary scale. Scale of 1 to 10 of how scary you found the film, or one example is Ghostbuster, or 10 examples Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Page. I'm going to give this like a three, but if I had seen it in theaters, this would have probably been a seven or eight. And this is your first time watching it? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. You're, yeah, Jump scares don't get me, though. Like, that's not the thing that scares me. They get me. To be honest, I think Autopsy of Jane Doe, that was the one where I was like, if this wins, I think this might be real bad for me that one's also scary and probably more up your alley of scary but this one's more up mine so i'm gonna give it a seven and this is the second time i saw it i saw it during the day i mean it was night i guess but the sun was still out you know and i was still scared like it was scary i'll probably give it a two for the claustrophobic stuff yeah that that was real rough yeah man but i went when i when i saw it the first few times it was really scary but that's our scary scale excellent well this week the listeners made us revisit the descent what are you guys making us watch next week it is february so it is black horror month and we are kicking it off strong with something we have wanted to watch for months and that is blade two yeah. I cannot wait. Like, I love Blade. Some of the fuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. Iconic line. I cannot wait to see where Blade goes in the future. So I exciting. understand that at some point we get Ryan Reynolds in the mix, which I'm here for. Although I that's don't think much it's too. Yeah, yeah, that's no, fine. No, that's way later. That's fine. I'll take it later. But listen, I can guarantee you I'm going to enjoy Blade 2 as we check it out next week. Because that's your homework. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Not yet. All right, well, while you're looking one up, let me read a comment that was under our most recent Spotify episode, that episode being the Jennifer's Body Revisited episode. (laughs) And this one's from Amanda. She said, I love the ferret conversation. My sister rescues ferrets and currently has four. She's not to be trusted. Red flag. (laughs) So Amanda, thank you so much for that awesome Spotify comment. Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Rescues ferrets from where? Like I like they the forest? I don't even understand. So let me explain to you the concept of Spotify comments. I can't ask them follow-up questions. It's just that one comment, Mikey. Whatever. Do you have a review for us to read though? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna do one uh MFox919. Well, what does MFox919 have to say? Title of review is I don't even like podcasts, but I love this one. Okay. I think that's a compliment. My friend got me into this podcast. Shout out Lydia. Yo, Liddy! On a road trip to take the Stephen King tour in Maine. Oh, that's cool. Since then, I have been hooked, all capitals, on this podcast. Awesome. Like I said, I don't really care for podcasts. Same. 
M. Fox. Oh, you think she only listens to small Smallville recap podcasts like you, Mikey? Is that what you're saying? I'm even behind on that one, you know? <laughs> yeah, about 20 years behind, Mikey. It's Smallville. I was there in the original time. <laughs> uh, like I said, I don't really care for podcasts, but I could listen to this all day, every day. It's so funny. The chemistry between everyone involved is incredible. And it's made me pay much more attention to the finer details in the horror movies I love. Aww. Never a bad time when an episode of Horror Virgin is on five stars. Well, MFox919, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review or me read your Spotify comment, do one of those things and we will read it. So guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else including TikTok Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J Awesome if you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm -hmm. than the regular mm -hmm. feed drop we do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that so guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show if you want to financially support me but not Todd just look me up on Venmo if you can't financially support the show that's understandable that's fine but if you want to hang out with us on the daily join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror virgin we also link it like once a week so just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group literally we're in there talking every day it's awesome and guys we got a P.O. box so if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box it's actually not a P.O. box it's like a regular street address it's pretty awesome it's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager has been driving her crazy. So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy this week? She's been unsafely driving around copper pipe on the top of her car that's not really been fastened, and stuff happened. So what you're saying is Tia's teenager was the real homewrecker in this movie. <laughs> Nailed it! This episode was also brought to you by Jonathan, and Jonathan wants me to make you guys watch some videos. So I'm going to do that right now by stealing your screens and making you watch this one entitled Savannah Bananas and Brian Lettrell Perform Everybody. And if you wonder by everybody, do they mean the Backstreet Boys, everybody rock your body tonight? Yes, that is what they mean. Yes. Oh, because it's Brian Lettrell. I've actually already seen this, <laughs> this video. Oh, is it Lettrell? I didn't realize that's how you pronounced it. My bad. I mean, it's not bad. I don't know why they're at this, like, minor league baseball game, but... The Savannah Bananas are, like, the Harlem Gold Trotters of minor league baseball now. Wait, they're, like, performative? Yes. That's actually kind of cool. I'd watch that. We, we can go in through that, but they do, like, skits and stuff and do, like, cool tricks on baseball stuff, and they play games. Like, they play the sounds. Like, they were, they were in Nashville last year. If they come back, let's go. I love going to sounds games. I mean, this is great. 
Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for showing us that one time one of the Backstreet Boys performed with the Savannah Bananas. And for the support, obviously. We now return you to another episode of The The Patreonicals. Yep, here we are. (laughs) Back in there doing our things. Okay. Every week, baby. Men is a androgynous computer virus type thing where it's a person cyborg shape in the tronosphere yeah and it and it clones itself see they're stuck in a computer simulation right but they got out of the simulation in a simulation it's like inception but instead of dreams it's simulations yeah exactly and uh laura who's the giant red thing was like i'm trying to free us all but like they're gonna try to stop us and put you in another simulation and and then men uh two of the men's attack her spinny wheel thing and then she topples over it's hard to picture just picture it in your own mind and um <laughs> that's what they are forced to do in this medium yep and uh theater yeah. of the mind mikey kate kate runs into four of them thinking she's still got her powers from the the other simulations and then they just beat the shit out of her all right you know and she goes unconscious just badly badly beaten she has no psychic powers that's rough She's had those for a long time, right? Aaron, with her arrows of light, starts killing men's. <laughs> M-I-N's, <laughs> not M-E-N's, Paige. I saw the way you looked. I had to clarify. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy, with his laser vision, joins in. They're, they're, and then Libby, with her lightsaber. Um, Mr. Late Rage Bombs is shooting off little bombs, and they like, boom, <laughs> and they blow stuff up. I love and, the sound uh, they make. That's very awesome. The men's grab Sunzi, the laddie child. I forgot about some the laddie child. <laughs> <laughs> no one makes Mikey laugh like Mikey's notes make Mikey laugh, and I think that that's very funny because it's not like a "Oh man, I'm so funny." It's like a "What the fuck was I doing last <laughs> it's, week?" It's like like I, you're I, not I, like you're not like basking in how funny you are. No, you're like, I, what have I done to myself? Like I've outplayed myself yet again. And they're only like, and I'm like so mean to myself. I mean, it's a patriarchal thing. It is. They like it. They like when you're mean to them and yourself. The the wor- the notes are only like two words a person. So it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of interpretation there. <laughs> oh no, I've got the microphone thing on. It's I'm doing speech to text on the notes. Oh no, it's, it's recording everything. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey is like the oldest 30 year old I've ever met Like, <laughs> Okay Sex Caliber has his power glove And punches one and it explodes And he's like yes I'm a real boy now Whatever uh, Vixen's got laser guns She's shooting. She kills a bunch of men's But men's is like multiplying himself over and over again um, Madeline with her cartwheel Makes a wall between them all And uh and, and then uh, River was able to come over <laughs> because it's like one of the light cycles where it like creates yeah. a wall. I uh-huh. love it. I, that's perfect. It, it gives them some respite, right? And then uh, <laughs> River Moon comes with her antivirus potions and tries to save Kate. They're doing some you know treatment there. Uh, Boezy's like everyone, Karun and Natasha. I need you to really concentrate on my jet ski and like really. I feel <laughs> God in this jet ski tonight. And then they, <laughs> the three together. We're able to extend the jet ski to make it extra long. I didn't realize and, uh, that Boezy was the famous jet ski preacher. My bad. No, he just said Florida men's magic is based on belief. <laughs> Florida men's? 
Thornman's. And that's M-I-N's page, not M-E-N's. I saw you were confused. I had to clear it up. No, uh-huh, I, uh-huh. I, I remembered from earlier, and I was like, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that Wes, in a freak accident when he came over, is the jet ski. What? His face pops up, and he's like, guys, I've been here the whole time as the jet ski. <laughs> and they're like, oh, God. What a turn of events. He never, he was... He was with them the whole time, and I think that's very sweet. He's like, I'm going to tell you what I've told everyone. Right. Because <laughs> he's underwater? Do you get it? There's no water there. It's just floating like uh, in this, you know, it's whatever. So they're all doing that, <laughs> um, but men kidnapped. Who did men kidnap? I don't know. Check your notes, Mikey. Good. <laughs> Sunzi, the laddie child. There you the go. Laddie chi- Sunzi has been kidnapped. The laddie child. And then you see evil Matthew and 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 uh, Isaac, who are like super advanced computer beings, come on the screen and tell men, bring me that laddie child, Sunzi, to, to, to the fortress. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find out the fate of the laddie child, Sunzi, on another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, you guys, on Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. This is a really fucking terrifying movie, nerds.